Last night I had a dream You were in it And I was in it with you And everyone that I know And everyone that you know Was in my dream So vampire I saw a ghost Everybody scared me the ancient Greeks believed that dreams had prophetic power and were a way to connect with the divine and even heal sickness. They weren't alone in their beliefs. For centuries, cultures around the world have sought to interpret and understand dreams, but in many ways, the purpose of dreaming continues to remain mysterious. On today's Please Explain, we will find out what happens in our brains while we dream, why we remember only a few. Joining us now are Dr. Michael Brias, a clinical psychologist, diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He's the author of several books, most recently, The Power of When. Discover your chronotype and the best time to eat lunch, ask for a raise, have sex, write a novel, take your meds, and more. Also with us is Dr. Kelly Bulkley, a dream researcher and visiting scholar at the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California, senior editor of the APA journal Dreaming, and the author of Big Dreams, The Science of Dreaming and the Origins of Religion. I'm very pleased to welcome both of them to our show. Hello. And, uh, Hello. Thank you. And to our audience, if you have any questions about dreams, you can give us a call. Our number here is 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. There's been century of, centuries of dream research and study, even with new technology and ways to study the sleeping brain. Has it been determined why we dream? I throw this out to both of you. <laughs> Dr. Well, Brias, I mean, why don't you start? Good. Uh, well, to be honest with you, from uh, from I think actually the other doctor would probably be better qualified to okay. answer that question. I know there's some theories out there for sure. Okay, Dr. Bulkley? Yeah, well, and, and, and you're right, there are many uh, theories. I think the simplest answer to the question, though, is that we, we dream because we have minds and brains that, that, that run on a 24-7 cycle. So the same mind and brain that are active generating consciousness and, and waking thoughts in, in waking life is also active just in, in different ways during the sleep cycle. And, and, and dreaming is a, a reflection of those various activities that happen in sleep. So it's, we, we dream because we have the minds and brains that we, that we do. They're just side effects of the brain's activities during sleep? Well, it, that's that's a I think a, a reductive way of putting it. I think they are um, interacting with the cycles of sleep. Dreams are, are kind of a intertwining of, of physiological and psychological uh, dynamics and factors that uh, I don't personally think it's super helpful to try to reduce one to the other. I think that they're both uh, uh, thoroughly intertwined throughout the process. They're a way of processing our memories, what happened that day, or our anxieties in general, a wide range of things. Yeah, pretty much the whole <laughs> wide spectrum of human experience uh, can be fodder for a dream. So, yes, like you say, there's there's some aspect of uh, processing memories, 
uh, anticipating possible scenarios we might face in the future, mulling over um, yeah, our, our waking concerns. Dreams often are actual research on dreams rather than just people's sort of opinions. Um, shows that most dreams are pretty rooted in our ordinary lives, people we know, the places we tend to go to, the things we're either worrying about or hoping for. So, yeah. I've witnessed pets dreaming. Uh, do all <laughs> mammals dream or animals in general? Well, I think the, your your other guest probably could say some things about sort of the, the evolution of sleep and, and sleep cycles in various animal species. I mean, that's a <laughs> there's no way we can currently verify if animals are, are dreaming as opposed to having cycles of REM sleep and such. But um, it sure looks like, you know, when my, my cats are twitching about, uh, you know, they, <laughs> they may be forming some sort of mental images and experiential qualities that might qualify as a dream. I don't know. They look like they're dreaming about running. <laughs> Dr. Bruce? Well, you know, I mean, I think it's hard because, you know, you're talking about nonverbal creatures, so we really can't ask them what their, you know, what what happened in your dream, if in fact it was a dream. It does look very suspiciously like a dream. I've got a bulldog, and when he's asleep, he starts moving all over the place, and, um, you know, it, it's hard to say really what's going on there. And, and I, I totally agree. Um, I think that, you know, dreams are, you know, manifestations of many different um, possible scenarios that could be going on, everything from uh, memory consolidation to a uh, working out, you know, some of the issues that are going on in your head, um, things that are happening during your day, anxiety, things of that nature. How many hours does a person spend dreaming during a, a typical night? Uh, is it most of, our, uh, most of the time that we're asleep? It actually depends. Oh, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to. I'm curious what you're going to say because it's, yeah. it's, you know, that's a that's a tough question. Do we yeah, dream every so, night? Do we know that? Well, I think it's safe to say that we probably dream every night. We just don't remember it every night. Um, and you know, you can dream in any stage of sleep. You have a greater proclivity to dream in REM sleep. But um, there are multiple studies to show that when you wake people up in non-REM sleep, they will recall something. Um, and oftentimes it, it can be some level of a dream. So, uh, you know, if you look at it just from an REM perspective, we know that REM makes up roughly 25% of a night. But, again, you can dream in any stage of sleep. At least that's what the data I've read has said. So, Michael, what is, yeah. our, what is REM sleep? Um, REM sleep is measured by EEG waveforms and EMG, so muscle tone and brain waves. And it's a very particular classification um, that was uh, dubbed, you know, very early on in scientific sleep research. Uh, and it's a way to look at different things that are going on from an EEG perspective. So your brain waves are at a very particular wavelength uh, and wave form, and um, your eyes move back and forth, and your muscle tone uh, drops dramatically. And that's very unique to REM sleep. We become relatively paralyzed during REM sleep? Mm. Well, we're supposed to be because otherwise we act out our dreams. <laughs> um, and uh, then we have something called uh, REM behavior disorder. This is a, actually a fairly serious uh, situation. I've treated this several times in my career. Um, and it actually can be a precursor for Parkinson's syndrome. And is that when people uh, sleepwalk or talk in their sleep? Actually, that's very different. Um, sleepwalking and sleep talking would not be what I would consider to be REM behavior disorder. Sleepwalking and sleep talking uh, might be purposeful movements, um, getting up, walking around, moving around, uh, speaking. Uh, a lot of times the language isn't very coherent, whereas uh, REM behavior disorder, when you wake the person up, 
the act that they were doing responds directly to exactly what they were dreaming about. I had one patient who uh, was in the Korean War and he would dig foxholes, and he uh, had REM behavior disorder, and he walked to the ed- stood up, walked to the edge of his bed, and dove headfirst off the edge of his bed into what he thought was a foxhole that he had just dug. Mm. And uh, tragically, his um, cheek caught the chest drawers on the way down, and um, it tore straight from the corner of his mouth to his ear and then all the way down to his neck. And uh, he had, you know, almost a thousand stitches in it by the time I got to him. I'm speaking with doctors Michael Brius and Kelly Bulkley. We're talking about dreams on today's Please Explain. This is WMYC, WMYC.org. I'm Leonard Lopate. Kelly, you write in your book, Big Dreams, that the conventional scientific approach to studying dreams has been to pay attention to just one side of the equation, focusing on recent dreams gathered from the surveys or sleep laboratory experiments. What's an alternative to that? Well, those uh, dreams, for the most part, are dreams that were a researcher not actively asking the the individual for a report would probably be forgotten and and most dreams are forgotten you know if 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 the mind is active all through the night um we're probably all forgetting the vast majority of that dream material what i find interesting as a researcher and what i think is important theoretically is to look at what kinds of dreams and what 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 are the features of the dreams that people remember with a, with great intensity dreams that you literally cannot forget um, and those kinds of dreams tend to have, uh, this is sort of the short version of the research, uh, more direct connections with certain evolutionary kinds of concerns of our species, uh, protecting ourselves from danger, seeking out reproductive opportunities, uh, dealing with various kinds of environmental threats, and uh, uh, imagining greater possibilities. That's something that humans are uniquely good at, I think, in the animal kingdom. And our dreams are are part of that kind of innate creativity that we have as a species that that, that serves us very well um, in evolutionary terms. So so yeah. So I think that looking at dreams that that are unusually memorable, what what Carl Jung referred to as big dreams, um, gives us some special insights into the general dreaming process. That if we only looked at kind of average everyday normal dreams, we might not quite get a sense of the full range and, and, and potential of the dreaming imagination. You call that the black swan approach. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one way to think about it, that, that yeah, if you only look at white swans, you, you're going to mm. conclude that all swans are white. And uh, every now and then a black swan might fly by, and uh, you got to, if you're good, trying to be a good scientist, you, you need to take that observation into account and try to figure out what's going on. We uh, are taking calls. Our number here is 212-433-9692. And Carmen from Brooklyn, hi, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, Go ahead. Okay, hi. I have a question. Yeah. I started taking Prozac. This call is breaking up, unfortunately. You were asking about Prozac and its impact, uh, its effect on dreaming? You, uh, as I understand it, Carmen said she had no dreams after she started taking Prozac, uh, to, or because it cut down on uh, her uh, the the uh, the levels of emotions that she experienced. Actually, we know that Prozac actually almost knocks out completely REM sleep, so it probably had quite a bit to do with that aspect as well. 
So does medication affect dreaming in general, or is it just Prozac? No, there's lots of different medications that can give people uh, scary dreams, nightmares, things like that. Um, Depending upon the medication you're on, it can limit the overall amount of REM sleep, such as in the SSRIs and the SNRIs, which is like Prozac and Zoloft and Wellbutrin and medications such as that. What about alcohol? In terms of what, uh, affecting dreams? Yes. So we know that alcohol has specific effects on sleep. Um, From a REM sleep perspective, it can actually increase REM sleep at the beginning of the night and then pretty much devastate it towards the end of the night. And REM sleep doesn't really happen in a very even fashion. It has a tendency to occur more in the last third of the evening rather than the first third of the evening. So alcohol, in some instances, can, can wipe out REM sleep quite a bit. Um, Olga on Twitter says, I've noticed I have a nightmare if I go to bed quickly after dinner, like within 15 minutes. <laughs> I mean, you, you never know, but that, I mean, sometimes That could just be are, Olga? <laughs> well, people with, you know, the digestive process sometimes can be, a, uh, you know, there can be difficulties there, and if someone falls right asleep, that could easily kind of leach into their... Their, their dreamy mind, I suppose. David from Fairfield, Connecticut, you're on the air. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, is there a way, if you, when you go to bed, like, I'd love to dream about this? Is there any way to control, or is it just whatever your mind decides to do? Yeah, so so that that brings up the topic uh, of what, what many researchers call lucid dreaming, which is uh, uh, dreams in which there's some degree of self-awareness, uh, consciousness of being in the dream state. It's, it's, it's actually a very, uh, there's reports of this in ancient times from uh, Hindu and Buddhist cultures, uh, uh, meditative traditions actively trying to cultivate those kinds of experiences. So yes, the answer is uh, some people have kind of a natural facility with, with that kind of dreaming. It's more frequent in childhood, um, and then people sometimes kind of lose that capacity over, over time. Uh, it's rarely, even for people who are frequent practitioners of this, um, simply a matter of like a, like a virtual reality, like you just go in and just make things happen. It's more a, a, a heightened sort of sensitivity to what's going on in the dream, sense of awareness, and some volitional control. But the dreams are almost always still dreams, and you know, strange things are still going to happen. But 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 there can be. Uh, and this is in some ways the best refutation of the kind of the bottom-up model of, of dreaming, that it's just kind of, like you said, at the outset, the side effect of random activities in the brain during sleep. Well, sometimes in lucid dreams, there sure seems to be a kind of top-down quality of some kind of conscious awareness guiding the unfolding of the dream process. So is this when you realize during the dream that you're dreaming? Exactly, exactly. And it can be very brief, it can be extended, yeah. Some dreams are so realistic, people remember them as real experiences. Well, other than than, um, having the sort of the motor, the sort of the physical uh, output of of what, you know, what we dream about, which is what happens in, uh, as mentioned, in REM behavioral disorder, otherwise, when we dream about something, our brains are doing just what, we'd be doing if we were doing it in waking life. So the, that realism is not, just, uh, it's not just a poetic sort of sense. It's like, that's, no, that's really what's happening in the, the mind and the brain as we dream. It is as real as 
yeah, anything we experience in waking life. Linda from Montclair. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Yes, um, I lost uh, my 20-year-old daughter a few years ago, and uh, after she died, it was was an accident. After she died, I was having very... in the mornings, and I wasn't sleeping well, so there were incidences where I almost felt like I was awake. In fact, you know, like in the middle of the day, I could have maybe I'd fallen asleep and was dreaming, but they were nothing like regular dreams. It was like my communicating with her, her talking to me, her telling me things, um, showing me things. Um, And I wondered, I thought I had read something about there being a a, a time period, almost like, you know, a, a part of a cycle um, in the morning uh, that's part of dreaming. And uh, I'd like to read more about it, but I, I, I read um, Oliver Sacks' book and uh, some other things. I'd like to find out more about it. The, these are the dreams that we have usually before we wake up that uh, uh, feels almost like daydreaming. Well, as we've been talking, there's the the REM cycle often gives us a big burst of REM sleep towards the uh, the end of the sleep cycle towards towards morning. So that actually in many um, cultures around the world and through history, there's a general belief that the dreams that come closer to morning are the the truer dreams, the dreams that are more likely to have a favorable outcome or something. So I think there's there's been sort of a folk recognition of that special kind of um, uh, liminal transition between uh, sleeping and waking that happens uh, in the morning. And and, and the the, the kinds of dreams that that your caller just mentioned of of, uh, revolving around the death of a loved one, um, that's that's an incredibly common and widespread phenomenon through through history in terms of the kinds of dreams that people really remember vividly often revolve around precisely that kind of theme, a, a, a sort of a mournful sense of loss and, and, and a kind of hyper-realistic sense of potential connection, at least in that dream space, uh, with, the, with the, the deceased loved one. So those kinds of dreams, whatever our metaphysical you know, views are of what that's really about, is that a wish fulfillment, is it a ghost, what, what, you know, however you explain it, the, the experiential impact for the, the dreamers can often be uh, reassuring or somehow relieving. Like, at least I got to see them and say something to them, even if it was just a dream. You write that in modern English, we speak of having a dream, whereas in many languages around the world, people speak of seeing a dream. Yeah. Well, and and, and it gets to a kind of deeper sense of what, what is going on in our own minds. And this is you started the, 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 our discussion by, you know, how do we know what dreams are? Why is it so hard to come up with an explanation? And part of the explanation for that is, in, at least in Western psychology, we struggle to acknowledge parts of the psyche that are not under the complete control of the rational waking ego. So dreaming is kind of, you know, at that level, a, um, an insult to to the waking rational mind. And so we collectively struggle to kind of understand that and make make sense of how that that actually does play a role in our psychological lives. We're speaking about dreams on today's Please Explain with Dr. Kelly Bulkley, 
who is a dream researcher and visiting scholar at the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California, senior editor of the APA journal Dreaming, and with uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Brius, a clinical psychologist, diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow at the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. We'll be back with more. Your calls to 212-433-9692. Your comments on our show page at wmyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Following this. And we are back with our discussion about dreams on today's Please Explain with Drs. Michael Brius and Kelly Bulkley. And we are taking your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wmyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And uh, we've got lots of calls coming in. Try to get to as many of them as we can. Yoel from Manhattan. Hi, you're on the air. Uh, I have a question for your guest. Uh, I noticed that when I um when I um when I meditate uh, late at night and like I don't know maybe for like thirty minutes or something like that a little longer, I noticed that I don't have dreams. Like I it's 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 like usually if if I if I don't meditate and like either in the morning or at night, like my dreams are sporadic. They're usually like just about the stuff that happened today, like my imagination just going crazy. Like, it's just, but I noticed that when I meditate, like, I feel like I have no dreams. I was wondering if your guests have ever heard or come across something like that. I have heard before that in, I have read before in a Buddhist text that they have, they something about them having very low dreams, if any dreams at all. Yeah, well, before my guests answer, uh, are there nights when you don't meditate, but you still don't remember your dream in the morning? I usually, I usually have dreams. I usually have dreams, but because I most of us, when I meditate, then I, if I have them, I don't remember them at all. I don't feel like I have any. Okay, doctors, who's yeah, going to tackle well, this? Yeah, well, the, the, there's there is quite a bit of uh, research looking at at the the sleep and dream lives of long term meditators, and there does seem to be a. I mean, it, it gets complicated because these are people who are actively uh, and intentionally changing the way their minds work. I mean, long-term meditators really do profound things to the way their, their minds and brains work. So that's bound to have some impact on, on dreaming. And, it, and I'm not sure that it, it for, for many long-term meditators, that the meditation replaces dreaming so much as it, it changes and transforms the role of what dreaming is, is doing in their mind. So, um, yeah, that's super interesting. But uh, let's get to that whole other matter. Sometimes we remember dreams, sometimes we don't. I was told once that uh, we don't remember the dreams that are either not important to us or are too important to us. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, I mean, a Freudian model would have it that, that, that we're intentionally trying to forget our dreams because the, the underlying contents are too disturbing. And, and I, I don't, I, I buy a little bit of that, not, not all of it. I think that, that much more significant for dream recall are environmental conditions, how quickly people wake up, um, how quickly they, you know, spring into waking life and kind of, uh, 
you know, quickly terminate that 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 transitional process from from sleeping into waking. I can say that that um, research that's been done on this indicates that people who never remember dreams are a, a, a tiny, tiny uh, percentage of the overall population. There do seem to be some people who never, ever, ever remember their dreams. But most people, even if they say they don't, if you ask them, yeah, they remember something from childhood or it's just only once a year or so. Um, so true non-dreamers are, are quite rare, which is another way of saying we are all generally dreamers. Well, you mentioned Freud, and Freud brought up the whole idea of symbolism in dreams. Uh, I'm not going to get into some of those symbols because they're the only ones that I can remember all have to do with <laughs> sex. But anyway, uh, and then others others came along with different symbols. Uh, if we go back to uh, the ancient Greeks, the Egyptians, to the Bible, we also find symbols being uh, invoked in, in interpreting dreams. Uh, should we assume that a pair does have some kind of sexual <laughs> implication? That go, a train yeah. going in a tunnel means something? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, dreams, almost all dreams, even ones that seem relatively simple, have multiple dimensions of meaning. So there's often a, some literal connections with what's going on in daily life. And then often, not always, but often there are these additional symbolic or metaphorical uh, aspects that... Um, sometimes they're drawn from culture, you know, so if someone lives in a culture where eagles are a very important animal, uh, you might dream a lot of eagles just because of what they, they represent, not because you see eagles in your everyday life. So sometimes the, symbol, the symbolic interpretation can get you into trouble, and I think this happened with, with Freud, where you go too far away from the dreamer's own life and experience, but... Um, Generally speaking, yeah, the mind works often by means of symbols and metaphors, and that's going to happen in dreaming, too. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that Joseph was lucky in his interpretation of the Pharaoh's dream that it panned well, out. <laughs> he prayed awfully hard. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, I have a producer who says that she dreams about her teeth falling out. Is that a common dream? Is that like falling or some of the other things or the uh, showing up to take a test uh, in school and uh, realizing you've gone to the wrong room? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to group those kind of dreams under a general heading of kind of entropy dreams, dreams where uh, things are literally falling apart or, or, or collapsing. And, um, yeah, that's part, of, that's part of the human experience is uh, trying to stay a step ahead of entropy and... and uh, Teeth falling out off, I mean, symbolically tends to revolve around transitions. It's a, uh, when children lose teeth, that's a shift from childhood into sort of getting your adult teeth, and then end of the life cycle, you're losing your teeth. That's a sign often of, hmm. you know, extreme old age. So that's one symbolic line of thought on that particular symbol. Marcy from Richfield, Connecticut, you're on the air. Oh, hello. I have a two-part question, actually. My husband just experienced um, a sleepwalking incident. Uh, it was quite bizarre. And I'm wondering if what causes sleepwalking, and I'm wondering if it's dangerous. Like, could he fall down the stairs? Sure. So I can, I can jump on that one. So um, generally speaking, sleepwalking occurs quite frequently in children, uh, roughly 25% of children, and then it boils down to about 1% to 2% of adults. Um, 
when we look at sleepwalking, uh, especially if it's not been something that he's had happen to him previously, it's more than likely has to do with a level of sleep deprivation. So he might not be getting enough quantity or hmm. quality of the sleep that he's getting, which could kick off an event. Uh, in some rare cases, a seizure disorder or a neurological uh, ma malfunction can cause a, a, a sleepwalking event. Um, it's hard to say. If it starts to happen on a fairly regular basis, I would absolutely contact a neurologist, particularly a sleep specialist neurologist, to have them investigate a little bit further. And, of course, safety is a primary concern. I would definitely put a baby gate up at the top of the stairs and at the bottom of the stairs. You can even get a door alarm uh, that's available online that when he opens the door, it would sound off a short alarm, which would help wake him up. Now, what about when people talk in their sleep? Is that similar to sleepwalking? It is. It's called a parasomnia, and it works roughly the same way. And most people don't, you know, release top secrets in their sleep. It's pretty rare to have somebody do something like that. Um, you know, it's usually nonsense, or it's a couple of words here and a couple of words there. It rarely means anything. Does it come out of the dream itself when somebody starts shouting, no, no, no? Is that because they're having a, a scary experience in their dream? Are they having a nightmare? It's possible. Um, I, I can't say never, but I wouldn't say always either. It, it's really, unfortunately, it's one of those areas that we don't have a tremendous amount of data on just yet. We have a lot of calls from people who want to know about nightmares. Uh, are they a special form of, of, uh, of dreaming? Do they arise out of anything specifically? Well, in, in my experience, and I'd be, I'd be interested in, um, in the other experts' opinion as well, um, in my experience, nightmares usually come um, associated with a level of trauma or anxiety um, that has occurred uh, in the past, and there's either something that references to that, there's an anniversary of the death of a family member or something along those lines or, or of the traumatic event itself that can kick these things off uh, or a, a relative frequency of the uh, event having occurred fairly recently um, that happens. You, we see this a lot in uh, people who have PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder. We see a lot of them that actually one of the hallmark criteria is nightmares. Uh, so uh, PTSD would suggest trauma causes nightmares. Uh, uh, well, I mean, not What about night terrors? Had, yeah, well, well, there's a difference between nightmares and night terrors. Um, not everybody who has nightmares had PTSD, but I would say that most people who have PTSD do have nightmares. Night terrors <laughs> are a little bit different. Night terrors is where somebody sits up and they just scream at the top of their lungs, and then they fall back asleep, and they have almost no recollection of it the next day. Nightmares, there is recollection the next day, and it's usually a, somewhat of a traumatic or scary nature. Um, so those are, they're considered to be very different. Now, a listener wonders about recurring dreams uh, from mm -hmm. childhood in this case, but some people just have recurring dreams. Yeah, yeah. No, some, some, some dreams seem to, or certain uh, themes or characters or settings seem to kind of be companions through people's lives. They, their, their dreams return to that setting or theme or, or situation again and again. And sometimes it can be a reflection of the same issues coming up the way you felt in one at one time your dream is reminding you hey that's similar kind of situation right now it often does re revolve around frightening themes and kind of the the nightmare question um i i, I think you know what was just said is, is is exactly right and i think that 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 nightmares more broadly draw upon our our concerns and our fears and vulnerabilities and 
sort of in working with such dreams, it's it's interesting sometimes to look at not just what's threatening or attacking the dreamer, but how the dreamer is responding. Is is the dreamer adopting some sort of uh, uh, effective response strategy? Is the dreamer trapped in we some sort of response strategy? We have to that's leave it there. Working? Unfortunately, yeah. uh, I want you to know that Dr. Kelly Bulkley will be part of a panel at the New York Academy of Sciences on December 7th talking about dreams and new research on the unconscious. He'll also be giving a talk at the National Arts Club on January 30th about the film Pan's Labyrinth and lucid dreaming in Guillermo del Toro's childhood. For more information about both events, visit wmyc.org. Lopate, my great thanks to him and Dr. Michael Brias for being on our show today talking about dreams. Thank you.